Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. A Wednesday, I'm Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Wednesday edition of the Rebel Record- Report. We're recording <laughs> this on the wee hours of Tuesday night, early hours of Wednesday morning, bleeding a little bit into both. Um, I was in Pearl for the Ole Miss or the Governor's Cup. Ole Miss loses to Mississippi State eight to one. That's predominantly what this podcast will be about. Probably keeping it fairly brief. I've got to get up in a couple hours and drive back to Oxford because I'm still doing the whole school thing, which is what I would like to call. You're probably done though, right? Like, like it's I almost over, like right? Three weeks left, or okay. no, less than that. Probably like two weeks. Finishing up some final projects. Um, I don't know if my mom listens to this, but I would say my give a damn level is between a negative five and a zero on the. What, on what, the... what was better, your give a damn level now or your senior year? Oh, it's definitely now because my <laughs> senior year is one of those things where, like, by the end of that, I kind of I didn't really know what I was doing, so it's not like I wasn't trying in school. I was just a little checked out. Like now, I've got a full time job. Like working and, and working full time and going to school was never part of the plan. That just kind of <laughs> happened in between year one and two. So definitely now. I mean, it, it is. It has gone out the window. I think my teachers can probably tell that. So if one of my teachers happens right. to listen to this, sorry, not really. Um, if you fail now, there's, there's still a backup plan. Yes, exactly. So like, it's just like you know, what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do nothing for the next couple of weeks. Peek in the peek in the mail in June and see if the diploma's there or not. Then I'll know. <laughs> then I'll know whether I got through. Um, I'm just kidding, kind of. Um, so, so, so I'll miss. Ole Miss loses um, eight to one to Mississippi State in a game that just, for a game that was such a dud, there was a whole lot going on, and that feels like the like the if nothing else, it was, as underwhelming as as Ole Miss fans seem with this season, it hasn't been boring. It, at least not from my <laughs> perspective, covering it because there's so many moving parts to this team that like an eight one midweek loss, you're like. Holy hell, I could write three stories from this from what happened. <laughs> well, you look up in the ninth inning and, oh, Ger Holston is alive. How about that? So, 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 yeah. So, uh, you know what? Let's just start in reverse chrono- chronological order because why <laughs> okay. not? It was an eight to one game. Who cares? So I'm sitting in that press box, and obviously no one cares about this, but we're, that press box is a double A press box. There's no media that covers minor league baseball, there's tiny, tiny, like, media seating area. So, me and my esteemed colleague, Brian Haydad, I've covered like seven or eight games there now, so I got a little life hack. So we go into the auxiliary slash TV booth, whichever one is open, that the normal like media is just doesn't know like they're allowed to sit in. And I knew this yeah. game wasn't on TV. So me and Haydad are the last ones there coming for radio, and he's like, Oh, there's nowhere to sit. And I was like, Oh, wrong. I got this. And we walked Take into one use. of those rooms that said private and uh plopped down there. No one ever said anything to us. So we got front row seats. But I say that to say is hey dad's sitting on the level behind me. It's literally us two in basically what's like a cubicle, but we have a good view, which is like a a that's at a premium in this press box. But you you cause you can sit in places in there and literally see like a third of the field. So it gets to the ninth inning. I have my head down riding and hey dad goes Oh, Ole Miss changed pitchers, Greer Holston. I kind of started laughing. I look up, and Greer Holston's standing on the mound. I was like, oh, my God, what's going on? Like, what is happening right now? So, and then Greer Holston proceeds to put up Ole Miss's first scoreless inning since the fourth. Um, Because, sure, why not? 
so I don't even know how to like dissect this. So he gets in there, and I kind of give Hey Dad the the lowdown. And for those of you that don't know, Gerholson has not appeared in a baseball game this year. Um, he was a guy that was a midweek guy his first two years. Sometimes came in in relief. A guy that that along with Jordan Fowler took a bit of a step at the end of last year. And we said yeah. this before on the podcast before that if you've listened, this is nothing new. If you're Ole Miss last May, you're looking at Jordan Fowler and Gerholson, and you're saying. That's two weekend starters, or that's a weekend starter and probably one of your top two innings eaters out of the bullpen at absolute worst. Fowler's been horrible and pretty much been obsolete the last couple of weeks. And and Holston has battled what he called dead arm in the offseason to what he didn't really hit much on this after the game, but basically some some mental issues as yeah. well. And I don't mean like mental issues like 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 bad. I, I mean, like y- the yips is the, the yips. best way to describe the yips is it. The, yes, mental issues is a terrible phrasing, but it's late at night. The yips. <laughs> he had the yips. He he kind of forgot what he was doing per se, throwing motion wise. So basically, he hasn't been seen in a game all year. You didn't know whether he was going to red shirt. You'd kind of been hearing he was getting close. You didn't really know what to make of that. And all of a sudden, eight one game Governor's Cup, eighty six hundred people in the stands, probably less than that at this point, and he's on the mound. <laughs> And 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 hits a guy in his first pitch. Yeah. So 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 uh, so that's that's kind of what I was getting at before I got off the rails. I so you you had heard all these rumors about his velo go not rumors but you had heard kind of rumblings of of the velo being way down and that being part of this and he throws something at eighty one miles an hour that hits. It was the a curveball. It was a curveball. Mike you said didn't, it was a curveball. Okay. Ball. Well, you didn't know it. You didn't know it at the time. <laughs> right. I had no idea what it was at the time. And so I'm like, oh god. So I was texting. So and then he threw a bunch. It, it didn't help, you know, a guy in the press box with the naked eye because he threw a ton of breaking balls, threw sure. very few fastballs. So he's sitting there. He hits the first guy, walks the next guy, and you're like, oh god, like here we go. And Hey Dad was like, oh man, he does have the yips. And I was like, I mean, I wasn't lying. And but he's going 84, 84, 79, 81. I'm like, what is this fastball? And then he hits 87, and then he hit 90 apparently hit once. 90, I missed yeah. that. But he was 86, 88 a few times, 85, 87, somewhere in that range. Yeah. And honestly, so after the first two guys, he was okay. He was okay. Yeah, he's fine. I mean, I, I, look, I'm listening on radio. You obviously had a better view, on, view of it than me. But DK and Keith said that, you know, that he kind of looked like they expected him to. Um, he's never going to get, you know, back to form if he's not pitching in games. You can do as much simulated work as you want. Uh, pitching in games is going to is going to be what brings that kid back. So they, they've got to get him some work. Look. Well, this bullpen situation, I mean, I, I don't understand how you just don't keep running them out there and hope good things happen because it's not like anybody else outside of Max Trophy and, and Tyler Myers out, outside of the obvious two and Miller and Gracie are producing at a high level. So why not try somebody else? Yeah, so after that, he gets a strikeout, a fly ball, and a ground out. It may have been a pop-up. And, you know, he kind of walks off the mound. And you're like, okay, the, the, that that happened. And, and it's weird because it's an eight-one game. The offense, you know, struggles again, and you're sitting there and you're like, you know, it's not a big enough sample size to call that a bright spot or anything close to it. But it's like, okay, like this is at least an option now. And like as you mentioned, for a bullpen that's spread very thin at the moment, you're you got two to three guys not named Parker Caracy that you can rely on to get you to the ninth or somewhere right. around the ninth before Caracy can kind of mow down the last couple outs. It's at least an option. Yeah, I mean, it can't be any worse than, than anything else you're trying. Um, so, look, Gerholston's been in big situations before. He was on the mound last year when they tried to close out or when they did close out Tennessee Tech in the uh, 
winner's bracket game. Obviously, Houston Roth had to come in and finish it. But, I mean, th- this kid's thrown big innings for almost four. He closed out the SEC tournament title game before, uh, last year. So they, they've relied on him before. And, look, you know, he's obviously battled some some mental issues and, and like we called it, the yips. Um, but it was, it was I, you know, it was good for him to get back out there and record three outs in, a, in the Governor's Cup. And, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's – it's a situation where this bullpen's need any help they can get. Uh, not really from a numbers perspective. They've been fine numbers-wise. It's just they're, the numbers are coming from three and four guys, and I don't know how much longer that can last. Yeah, and, and, and we talked to him after the game, and it was honestly the longest and best interview of the couple that we had. And it, you could tell there was a huge sense of relief right. amongst the kid from a baseball perspective has gone through a lot of adversity. And, and the guy, like you mentioned, he's big innings. I mean, he's pitching in there with their season on the line last year. And then to fall that hard and to try to pick your way back up in your junior season is no easy task. And honestly, a little bit of a credit to the kid to sticking with it and not really just kind of mailing it in. In the sense that, like, this year's lost my baseball career. I don't know what it is. I mean, and he's back out there. So I have no idea what his role will be going forward, if any. I have no clue. But the fact that he was out there was a big hurdle for him, at least mentally and probably physically a little bit, too, because it's been a long time since he's pitched in a game. And so that's at least an interesting storyline to monitor because, it. I mean, all in all, now that the story feels a bit complete, it's a very. it was a very bizarre situation. Sure, sure. And, you know, obviously, look, if that game's close, he probably doesn't appear. Um, you know, so no, but, you he, know. Mike said Mike told him yesterday that you're traveling and there's a chance you pitch if the conditions are right. And of course, those are the right conditions to get a guy in for the first time. So this wasn't a spur of the moment thing. It right. doesn't sound like this had been building for a couple of weeks. Which we should probably get into those conditions that allowed him to pitch. Yeah. So so you mentioned <laughs> so kind of my takeaway from this game is you mentioned, um, you know, him this being a, a a somewhat big deal, whatever you want to call it, because Ole Miss's bullpen is spread so thin, I think tonight was a byproduct of that because you're throwing two guys after Zach Phillips that threw a lot of pitches this weekend. I mean, Miller was a- went 28-21 back-to-back days. Uh, yep. Chofi went three and a third on Saturday, right? Ole Miss's yeah. last game, so short yep. rest. But that's what they have to do to have any chance to win any game of consequence because there's just no one else. I disagree with uh, – throwing Austin Miller was was criminal, and especially in the situation they did. He, he throws two days in a row. You give him two days off, and you bring him into a game you're behind in. It's oh, I'm not necessarily saying that like it's the right manager or move. I'm just saying the options are limited, and I think that's factoring into some of these decisions. Sure, sure it is, but it, at the same time you have to – Use a little bit of common sense, but you're right. They they don't trust any other guys outside of really four: Chofi, Myers, Caracy, and and Miller. Are really, the only guys they trust late in games to get outs right now. And, and he's uh, waffled on Chofi. Yeah, and you know Chofi didn't help himself tonight. Um, you know, and I don't really necessarily think that's all his fault. But you know, I mean, you come in and you're not able to get an out. Um, kind of. Kind of help hurt your uh, hurt your numbers for sure. Yeah. So, so once 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 we so I, if you're listening to this and thinking you're getting a buzz because your head's spinning, we're all over the place. Let's let's go start up to now that we got the Holston thing out of the way. So Zach okay. Phillips, very good, very good. Um, he he Zach needs to Phillips, pitch on Saturday. He went five and a third innings. He exited the game in the six. He had allowed just one hit. He hit a guy and walked two, but he threw. Three hitless innings or four hitless innings allowed a solo shot in the fifth. Then proceeded to hit the. I mean, then proceeded to get the next three guys out. The sixth inning, um, he gets error. a fly out. Then yeah, then an error, right? So fly yeah. out, then an error, 
um, Anthony Servideo error, and then he walks the next guy on four pitches and his night's over because it's just kind of one of those weird baseball spots where, yeah, you probably could have left him in, but, you know, you have someone hot in the pen. It was a situation where it's understandable pulling him, but it's it, like the five and a third is not necessarily indicative of how good he pitched. So he, he kind of exits to the dugout. It's a 1-1 game at that point. Um, the only hit he'd given up was a solo shot in the fifth to Rowdy Jordan, which he quickly... His big thing is he's compounded mistakes this year, and his last three outings, when he's made a mistake, he's immediately rectified it with either two outs or getting out of the inning. He hasn't let it compound. Yeah, and, and, th- and that's a credit to him, because earlier in the year, that, that did not happen. He was not able to make the pitch to get off the mound. and uh, you know, Like I said, that, that's a credit to him, and Ole Miss, look, he's going to throw big innings going forward. I would be kind of surprised. Look, how, do you know how many pitches he threw tonight? Um, no, but I can look that up in a second. Um, I, I, I do not know off the top of my head. Throw over 75 or 80. I'm betting he starts on Saturday for Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, they're getting no length in game three, and it, it makes it tougher. It, it, it would be easier on Ole Miss to make this decision if it was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, obviously, because you have the extra day, right. but Ole Miss welcomes A&M in a series that starts on Thursday. But, yeah. I mean, if it's if it, if he's physically able, if it's phys- like if it's responsible for him to throw, I don't have the pitches in front of me. I want to say he was in the sixty-five to seventy range. Well, he needs to throw um, Saturday. I mean, he, they're getting no length on Saturday, and that's two two straight outings he's seen the sixth inning, and three straight outings where he's been far like beyond productive to give and, them a chance to win the ball game. And that's the weird part; it's an eight-one final score, but he gave them a chance to win. Oh, absolutely. And and you know that that's a really really good lineup over there uh, for Mississippi State. That's a that's one of the best lineups in the country, and it, and they hit left-handers extremely extremely well, and and he frankly dominated it for about five innings. Um, so yeah, you know he's he's pitched really really well. There was a reason they liked him coming out of the fall and out of the spring, um, and he's kind of showing you those reasons why. No, look, he could you could put him in there on Saturday and he can get blown up and then shut shut everything up, but. Uh, I think at this point, you know, considering what the other options are on Sunday, he's kind of earned the opportunity because the only other option is to pull somebody out of already a, a, a pen that's getting taxed and put them in the starting rotation. Now you're even ta- taxing the pen even more. So, I mean, it, it, it kind of just feels like he's the option on the third games at this point. And to me, the tonight was the first night where he actually looked a little bit different. And I say that in the sense that his last two outings – He's worked through some mechanical stuff. He's put together better results. But tonight, he's whipping three pitches in there for strikes, and he looked more in control of what he was doing than he has all year. And I texted someone during the game. I was like, this almost looks like a different pitcher. And he had been building towards that the last two outings, but this was the one where you're kind of like, okay, this might be an arrival point. And so to your point, yeah, he might need to start on Saturday because you don't – you're getting no length out of your game three starter. I mean, you're you're getting none. I mean, Hoagland, you can't really run Hoagland out there again. And to your point, you're you're taking someone out of the already thinly spread bullpen if you don't do start Phillips. And so, yeah, I mean, I did. And, and talking to him after the game, he's a kid that seems to be gaining confidence. I mean, for for a loss, he obviously was not happy the team lost. But when you start asking about the outing, he starts grinning, and you can see he's like genuinely happy that he's found results through what was a real big struggle for the first two months. Yeah, and and you know he said it about as well as I could. Uh, that he's a kid that was in the rotation for the beginning of the year and kind of fell out of it, but it seems kind of find his rhythm now. And look, the stuff I, I said this during the game, the stuff's never been an issue. Um, it's the control and it's staying out of hitters counts. Uh, that's been the issue for him. The stuff is real and it plays and we've kind of seen that he's got really good fastball life. He's, he's found a slider and the changeups always been above average. So it's a, it's, it's a situation where they, 
you know, look, for all the flaws on this team, they may have found something um, in Zach Phillips going forward. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely agree. And, 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 you know, but a month ago or three weeks ago, you're sitting there, you're writing the kid off the, like you can't even really contribute. Yeah, but at some point you got to stop writing kids off, you know, like, yep. like there's, there's only so many kids on the team. Uh, yeah, that, that's kind of been what's funny about this thing. Like everybody wants to give up on everybody. Well, at some point, somebody's got to pitch. And then somebody's got to go hit. Um, so, so it's just it's just kind of crazy how this year's gone. Yeah, so now you go on the downward spiral of the roller coaster. He exits. Chofi gives up a single to McNamee to load the bases. And so it's 1-1, one, one, bases loaded, one out. And then um, I guess Justin Justin Foskey, no, no, this is the double. This is uh, Foskey hits a ball down the right field line. We'll call it. It hung up for quite a while. Um, it should with, no, with no TV stream, no replay. Chase Cockrell's diving. He can't get it. Two runs scored. It's a three to one game. I'll tell you everything you need to know about this play that Haydad told me after the game. He, they asked Foskey off the bat if he thought it was going to drop, and he said, "Absolutely not." Yeah, the ball should have been caught. Um, I've had three or four people tell me they were sitting down the right field line that uh, you know at a decent. And this isn't a shot at Chase. He, this isn't his fault. He's not an outfielder by trade. Um, Chase is, Chase Cockrell's not in the game to play right field. He's in the game to hit. Which is another story, um, yeah. But, but you know, it, it should have been caught. And you're looking there. There's one out then, and and you're looking then at a two-one game, and then the ball drops, and it's three to one, and they got guys on second and third, one out, and Ole Miss just didn't able to get off the field at that point. Yeah. So Miller comes in, and two is a little bit of credit. He gets out of there with just a sack fly. It's four to one, and then. You know, I, I wrote this in the game. For, it was kind of funny because Phillips' big issue this whole year has been compounding mistakes. Kind of, you know, when he makes one mistake, he makes another, and it snowballs into a gigantic catastrophe. And on a night where he didn't do that, the rest of Everybody his teammates did. did because misplaced pitches and mistakes in the pitching, like, you know, mistakes to the plate became mistakes in the field. So yep. Miller gives up two singles back-to-back in the next inning. State puts up another three-spot. Cooper Johnson on a two on a single that made it five to or it's like five one six one something like that hurls the ball into center field trying to get the guy going for second brings in another run so at that point it's seven to one and you know two errors and two innings some walks couple base hits and it's it was just an ugly game and the floodgates were open after that it just kind of feels like you know this kind of a, a program statement since that Monday night against Tennessee Tech it just kind of feels like everybody's trying to do too much. Um, you know, and then I think the the play with Cooper was was kind of a fine example. There was no shot at that kid getting thrown out at second base. There's no shot. And he throws the ball into center field, and and that's not a shot at Cooper. He's been excellent this year. He's been probably almost his best player, frankly, um, maybe with the argument of Greg Kessinger. But it just kind of feels like everybody's pressing and trying to do too much in a situation uh, that that's not really called for that. Yeah, and then it's just it's it's it's. It's there doesn't seem to be a feel for this team from a managerial no, decision making perspective because, in the sense, what in a double A ballpark, a big outfield, why you mentioned that this it like the the two run double dropping is not a shot at Cockrell and an indictment on Cockrell because he's not going to make that play and you know that why is he playing there, especially when he's not and I, I like Chase but he's not providing offense at all, I mean and I wish he was but. That he's not replicating the season he had last year at all. So I, I just, you know, if you're gonna play a kid, man, if you're gonna play a kid like Cockrell, play Elko because he, he at least he's gonna be there next year, and, he, and frankly, he's a better outfielder. Um, 
so it's it's just puzzling kind of some of the decisions on this team right now. I mean, the bat the, the lineup tonight was horrible again. Um, you know, it's just kind of wild how this thing's played out over this year from, you know, just how they've played and, and from a managerial perspective. Yeah, and then it's just there's so many moving parts, as you mentioned, too. And tonight Ole Miss goes three for 19 with runners on base and two for 12 with runners in scoring position left 12 men on base. Oof. That's not good. That's not good for them. Look, and and I've said this earlier, this team's numbers, if you just look at them from a numbers perspective, they're just as good on offense as they were last year. So you ask, what's the problem? Well, look, this team last year played a little bit worse or a little bit better competition than this team this year uh, in conference play. But frankly, the reason this team is not producing on offense like like they did last year from a run scored perspective, uh, perspective is they're not getting they're not getting hits with runners on base. All their damage is coming with with guys not on base, and and that really can't happen because now you're relying you know single handedly on home runs. Um, so th- this team with runners in scoring position and, and runners on is is frankly they're terrible, and and that's the reason that you look up they're ten and nine and and frankly you know battling a little bit to not like we've talked about hosting and all that. This team's battling to get into the postseason right now. Yeah, because it's weird. They're sitting at ten and eight in SEC play. Ten and like, nine. They're ten and nine. So nine yeah, conference game. Sure, but yeah, I mean, but like statistics wise, there's there's twelve games left. You're ten and eight. Sure. Like, I mean, to me, like to me, this game obviously, I'm not disagreeing with the fact from a committee perspective that counted as a conference game, but it's like after the fact. Sure. If that makes uh, sense. So like, uh, whatever the record is, tag a loss to it after because it is an extra game essentially. Sure. But, I mean, this team is going to have to win, you know, and I think they will, but they've got to win five of these next 12 conference games to get in. This team's not getting in with 14 conference wins. Um, and, look, like I said, I, I think they will, but, I mean, it's it's starting to get kind of real for this team, and, and we're not talking about hosting anymore. Look, they could get hot and run through these next 12 games and look up and be 18 and, and 12, and, and they'd be a host. But right now, I think the, the, the onus is getting into the damn tournament. Yeah, and that's the weird feel because you're still they're running out of time as far as like having leeway in terms of hosting, and that it feels weird to be having that conversation with the way they play because you know, they hadn't scored more than five runs in seven games. Oof. It's been seven games since if, they scored more than five. If runs. I told you in February, if I told you in February, Will Etheridge is going to be really good, a freshman is going to be in the rotation and be extremely good. Cooper Johnson and Greg Kester are going to have career seasons. Would you, in your wildest dreams, would you expect this team to be fit at ten and eight or ten and nine, whatever you want to call it, in SEC play? Well, I mean, yes, because at this point last year they're kind of at the same mark. Like ten and eight itself is a decent okay. position right, to let, be let in, but the way they've gotten there, I know what, what you're saying though. I, would I know you expect exactly them to be thirty saying. in the RPI? No. Okay. No, that, that, and that's that, probably that. a better way to put it. But do you see what I mean? Like the way they've gotten there, it's like no. Yes, they're definitely underperforming. Like, like the premise of your question, I completely understand. If you if you told me that in February, would I, would they would the team would I think the team be performing this way? No. But at the same time, if you're just going off SEC record, like ten and eight's not a bad spot to be in. But it's like no. the most hollow ten and eight of all time. Yeah, it's because you really haven't beaten anybody outside of Arkansas because Florida's terrible and um, Alabama's horrible. So, I mean, look, this team, and 
as somebody said this tonight, there there's still opportunities for this team. That's what the that's what the benefit of playing in the SEC gives you is you you're get you're gonna get an opportunity every single week to kind of ride the ship because you're playing top twenty five opponents. Literally, Ole Miss is playing four series against top twenty five RPI teams the next four weeks. Um, so you've got time to do whatever you want to do. If you want to go ten and two and and be a national seed, you can do it. If you want to go eight and four and host a regional, you can do it. If you want to go three and nine. And which is possible because you're playing four really good teams and four teams that are probably going to host. Um, you can do that too and miss the postseason. So it's it's the rest of the season is just kind of it's kind of bizarre how it, how you're kind of approaching the last 14 games of this year. Well, it's it's like after the Auburn thing because because on the surface you can't necessarily knock them for going and losing two out of three no. on the road against Auburn, but now like it's to the point with 12 games left, it's okay, this whole figuring out period is over because now if you keep dropping games at the rate they were dropping games and still have the inconsistencies, the season is going to slip away from them. Yeah, and then you're looking up on Selection Monday hoping you're in, um, which would and be a And then alternatively, though, if they finally put it together and play good baseball and like if they have the Phillips thing and they can kind of add another arm in the pin, whether it's Trophy you know, I, I feel even just silly saying Greer Holston after seeing, you know, 12 <laughs> pitches or whatever it was, but something like that. And they take off and then, you know, everything's still kind of in front of them. So it's it's sure. it's just a very bizarre place they're sitting in. This team last year finished eight and four in the league and, and went because, I mean, we were kind of having this discussion last year. Is, you know, is this team a host team that whatever? Now, look, this team last year had Alabama left on the schedule and this one doesn't. But I mean, this team last year was ten and eight, and went eight and four to finish. So th- getting hot without not, sweeping not, Alabama, yeah, yeah. What, the, getting hot is not out of the realm of possibility. Um, but the, it just feels. But off. there's just no. There's not very many. The, the reason, well, the reason being is because of the way they played baseball. There's not a ton of like, like signs that they're going to get exactly. hot. It's like a it spark, just feels a little off. bit of a spark there and a spark there but it, there's nothing there's no actual doesn't seem to be very much actual friction that you're actually going to light a fuse under the team yeah and, um, and i don't i don't buy into you know getting up for games or, or whatever but and, and look i wasn't there so you can correct me if i'm wrong this team didn't feel like they wanted to really be there tonight it, it just kind of felt like to me it just from listening to the radio now it just kind of felt like they were going through the motions to it from a from a listener standpoint I mean, I've I've said since since I, I say I said I've asked kind of a pointed question, I guess, since the beginning of the year, since January, since we started this podcast, since before that, is this team going to battle apathy? Because they know what they do in the regular season from a success standpoint doesn't really matter. And like, I don't think all of that's consciously on their mind each and every day coming to the ballpark or not. But you can't tell me it's not subconsciously off their mind, you know. They're still kind. They feel like they're still on a come down from last June. The the can you is that just something you can turn on when June rolls around or you're playing in Morgantown in a regional though? Yeah, see that's that's what's weird because you you're going to wake up and the the way they're losing games they're allowing this whatever days whatever you want to call it apathy whatever it is you want to call it that they're in they're going to snap out of it and be in a situation they don't want to be in in June. Yeah. Which is either A in Morgantown or Palo Alto or Chapel Hill or B on the couch. Um, and so. it'd be one thing like if 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 everything behind Etheridge was awful, like if Nikhazy sucked, and if you know Phillips is still awful and you're still getting nothing from Fowler, and then like the offense is still not hitting, you're kind of like okay, you know, I can see where this is headed. This is gonna go completely down the tube. But there's still like glimmers to where you're like okay, I could see how this could be figured out. 
Okay, let's do this. If I was to tell you that this team finished eight and four, what changed? Zach Phillips was good as their third starter. You think it's as simple as that? Well, I was going to say, I was going to compound it and say, like, I thought about just saying that, but I think it's, it's like, a Roth or somebody being good out of the bullpen. They have to have another bullpen arm. I don't think they can get through. I mean, granted, they only have two midweek games, but I don't think they can get by with what they're running out of the pen right now. You saw it tonight. I mean, they were kind of, those two guys were gassed, but aside from a couple really unproven and waffly guys, you're, there's not any, there's nothing else back there. Do you, you, but, I mean, offensively, you think, if, you think if they keep performing this way, I mean, I, I don't really think the offense is going to, continue to falter like I don't think these guys can be held down for too long so I'm kind of with you in the perspective that if if this pitching rotation kind of figures it out I think the offense is going to come along um but man this offense is struggling right now yeah it is but but I think if this team like let's say worst case scenario for Ole Miss this team completely tanks they fade weekly in a regional History will remember this team, like when you people look at it from a hundred mile above the earth lens or whatever you want to call it, ten thousand feet up, as the pitching failed it. Because you don't go into this year thinking Houston Ross gonna be as bad as he is, you're getting nothing out of Jordan Fowler and you're getting nothing out of Gert Holston. So with all the offensive struggles and everything, I think if this team does fade down the stretch, history will remember it for the pitching failing it. I mean, there's always other things that come wrong with failure, but that's the most overarching thing with this team is that it's pitching, and particularly the depth has failed it. Well, see, my, here's the thing is is the pitching has been fine so far, but at some point this is going to blow out. Like, like you can't keep trotting the same two relievers out there and expecting them to continue to get outs at the level that they are. Austin Miller has been dominant. You can't trot him out there three games in a row, three games in four days, and think he's going to be able to deliver. That's not fair to the kid. Um, so I'm with you. I, I think that look, the pitching's been fine up until this point, but at some point, man, when you're running the same kids out day after day, it's going to blow up in your face. Yeah, and it, the offense, to your point, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with the offense hasn't been as good as they've needed to be or as good as advertised, but it's not a case where you're scoring one, two runs a game and you're like, man, just give this pitching staff something. It's not that. So I, I think, it, I mean, this all comes back to pitching. You can say what you want about the offense. Yes, they struggle to hit lefties. Yes, they score three, four runs sometimes in games that you feel like they should get more, like tonight, where you only score one, leave a bunch on base. But I think overall, the 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 thing that makes this sinker float is pitching. Okay, that's fair enough. I, I think if if you told me, um, two there's like what happened if they go eight and four, it's it's two things, and I think one of them is like you said, Zach Phillips, or they solidify that third. Uh, that third spot with whoever. I think the second thing is Thomas Dillard has to get hot. Uh, th- this offense, that's adequate. It, that's just as it, that would to me. That's just as Im- that's just as important or significant as Ross. Th- so yeah, I agree. This offense it it goes as Thomas as Thomas Dillard goes, and, and as unfair as that probably is. I mean, the numbers support it. When this team wins SEC games, he hits about three twenty and has an OPS of about 900. When this team loses SEC games, he hits about 180 and has an OPS of about 630. It's really that simple. When when he's hitting, this offense, is it's a nightmare. And when he's not, it, it really puts a burden on a lot of other guys. So as we speak, Damian Lillard just hit about a 30-footer to end mm-hmm. the series, literally from the logo, to walk it oof. off. Oof, as the, as the buzzer ran out. Tough to be a Thunder fan. Mm-hmm. 
Get what you They're get trapped. sometimes. That franchise is trapped. That franchise is trapped by Russell Westbrook. When so Kevin Durant get... left him and said, to hell with this guy, I don't want to play with him anymore. They're trapped. You know, everybody everybody blamed KD for that. I was like, oh, he's a terrible teammate. Have y'all seen Russell Westbrook? He's miserable to play for or play with. Miserable. Yet everyone wanted to root for, like, Russell Westbrook as, like, the guy that stayed with the this small market dude. and got dumped by Kevin Durant. And he's not necessarily a bad dude, but mm-hmm. the way, the style of play he plays basketball, because his teammates swear by him. Like, he commits Paul George to stay at Oklahoma City versus Los Angeles. Like, you got to be pretty charismatic to do that. Fair but enough. The way he plays basketball is so frustrating to play with and so frustrating to, to watch. I mean, he has one gear, and it's volatile, it's frantic, it's it's... I'm going to get this. And when he defers, they're okay. But he can't, it's like he can't keep from hitting the switch. Like at some point that switch is going on and he's going full Russell Westbrook mode. And they're trapped because they're not, there's nothing they're doing to make that team any better. They have two of the best seven, eight. Like if you really want to value Westbrook at, at his numbers, they have two of the best seven or eight players in the league. And there's nothing they can do to get better. They're held hostage by him. Yeah. I mean, because cause you got George on the Supermax contract. I mean, it's just – I don't know what that franchise does. And I, I think Portland's about to play for the Western Conference Finals, which is just insane. But they I, that's I, I, that's a good story. I like it. That's a – and like in this day and I age – I think Denver can play with them. Oh, I'm they can. I'm sitting here thinking they about can. They can. No, they, they 100% can. I don't think that's over by any means. I think that's going to be a fun series where you have absolutely no clue what to make of it on a given night. But, like, if they do get through, that's a good story because in this day and age where every two years everyone's like, oh, blow it up. Why? Because you didn't beat the Warriors. Well, guess what? No one beats the Warriors. <laughs> and that franchise is stuck with it. They built around Lillard. They built around McCollum. They're like, hey, we have a really good backcourt, and we're just kind of wait this thing out. And now it feels like kind of their moment. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I don't think they can beat the Warriors. But, yeah, I think if there's any, if there's an NBA team I'm rooting for, I think it's kind of them. Because obviously my Lakers are nowhere near the playoffs, um, so I think yeah, if, if anybody could could win the title, if I got to pick, I think I'd certainly pick Portland, maybe Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, I I, I just it's it's going to be interesting because this next round is going to be fascinating because as bad as the first round was, when's the last time you've had four second round series where pretty much all four of them you don't really have any idea what's going to happen. I mean, you no. have no idea what to make of Toronto, Philly. You have really no idea what to make of Milwaukee, Boston, though I think Milwaukee's legit and they're going to beat Boston. I think they're more talented. I don't think anyone's stopping Giannis. If anyone's ever going to beat Golden State, it is going to be this Rockets at this point. They're catching the most vulnerable Golden State's been since they've added Kevin Durant. The Rockets are a better version than they were last year, almost inexplicably. Like, If there's ever a time to kind of be bullish on Golden State going down, it's the Rockets now. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm completely with you. It, it, the Rockets are going to do it. It's going to got to be this year. Uh, we're curious. When do our uh, NHL teams play again? Uh that's that's that's. I, I'd have to sit down and look at that one. It is <laughs> throwing NHL on my plate at midnight on a Tuesday night is just a lot going on. <laughs> the press got the me last night. I did see that they did a double. Uh, no. Double no, just one overtime. I actually watched that game. Sucks. Good for the stars, but that's kind of how playoff hockey works. Like if you put yourself in a position where you're facing an elimination game, particularly, particularly if you're like a higher seed facing elimination, kind of underachieved in the series, there is no like Golden State. Hey, we're gonna flip the switch and kick your ass. Like hockey, like one night pucks not going in, hot goaltender, you're <laughs> you're done. <laughs> kind of feels like what happened to Nashville there too. 
Oh, 100%. They couldn't get a puck in on the guy, and then, you know, one puck slides in in overtime, and you're season's going over. to play golf. Yeah, season's <laughs> over. You think those guys play golf? Uh, I don't really know what hockey players do. I think they may just beat think... the hell out of each other for fun in the offseason. Yeah, they, I have no they, idea. They feel like boxing guys. I don't, I don't really feel like me hockey players going yeah. to the golf course. Between that and the dental work they probably have done in the offseason, there's probably not a whole lot of room for anything. But I don't really know how, what hockey players do. How, how much money would you have to be paid to get your kid to play hockey? Honestly, <laughs> if I lived in a place that had youth hockey and my kid was Oof. like, I want to play hypothetical kid was like, I want to play hockey, I'm like, Whatever, man. Like I know nothing about it. Do what you want. I don't necessarily have the genes to birth a hypothetical hockey player if I ever do have kids. So I don't think I'll ever have to worry about that. But man, if my so, son ends up being six so foot four, by God, put a stick in his hands. I don't care. Get a, you might want to get a DNA test too at that point. Yeah, exactly. That that yeah, there'd be enough questions. But hey, if my hypothetical six four kid wants to play hockey, lace him up, buddy. I don't care. Boy, we have gone off the tracks at this Yeah, it is nice. So we'll cut this off. We'll probably have some more in-depth and more of a plan on Friday. I'll be back to a normal schedule. These late-night recordings, late-night games always seem to go things off the rails. So congrats to Portland. We went in really in-depth with Ole Miss baseball. I, you know, It's weird sitting there and you're like, you just talk 30 minutes about a college baseball team after a midweek game. But there's so much going on with this team, it's warranted. Yeah, I mean, look, this this team has got storylines really all over it. And uh, as this season goes on, I don't feel like those storylines are going anywhere. And, and matter of fact, I think there's going to be more and more storylines if this thing doesn't get turned around. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm with you. I don't. I don't think it's going anywhere. And it's gonna. I think it's gonna be a. I mean, it, it's weird to say, but it's like a day to day thing. I mean, you could feel completely different four days from now about sure. what their ceiling is and kind of what they look like than you do today. And so it's. It's nothing like like for a team that's played such subpar baseball from a like covering it perspective. It's honestly been fascinating because there's so much going on and so many moving parts that even in an eight one loss, like I was walking to my car tonight and I was like, man, I need to get up a story later or in the morning on Gerholston. Like the, like this happened. You had the Phillips <laughs> thing and they lost eight to one. So like it's 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 very weird. Yeah, you usually just eight one midweek loss, pretty man, mundane. Not with this team. It's five hundred words, two quotes, and see. Ya. I'm gonna crack a beer on my li- in my living room at the house and get home early or whatever. But like, no, <laughs> not with this team. An eight one loss. Here. Yeah, I'm walking in the car. I was like, man, a lot went on in that game. But <laughs> that, that's what's crazy is, and, and yeah, we'll go wrap up here in just a second. But it kind of just feels like at this point, every loss is the end of the world with this team right now. I don't know about into the world, and as much as it is, it's it's such a different world. Like their <laughs> loss was so different. Like each loss this weekend was so drastically different, and because of a different reason. I know you have that with baseball, a lot of times, but there's there's just the lack of a common thread. Like like. <laughs> Like this is a bad ex- oh, not a great example, but covering the Reds last year, they had a pretty formidable lineup. But guess what? They lost games pretty much all the time because their starting pitching was atrocious. The bullpen got overworked. So you'd have a starting pitcher go forward. They'd put up five runs and lose seven to five. That's pretty <laughs> much how that season went. This team, it's something else every single game. It's like they <laughs> lost and it's polar opposites. It's like the it's I don't know. You're, it, what, what am I trying to say? It's like you're fitting a, a square peg into a round hole. I, you know, uh, I was thinking I was going like if if John Rothstein covered college baseball, Ole Miss would be their Jekyll and Hyde team, where he tweets every two days, 
Ole Miss, <laughs> Jekyll and Hyde, the epitome. Like this team, this team's like destined to to lose a series this weekend. Everybody just give up on it, and then they go to Baton Rouge and like sweep or something for their first series win since nineteen eighty three. Yeah, it would, it would make perfect sense. Like I, 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 I <laughs> like yeah, you look I, up. Everybody's pissed off. They're eleven and what would they be? They're ten and eight. They'd be eleven and ten. Everybody's pissed off. And oh look, they're fourteen and ten because they just swept LSU and Baton Rouge. That would be this team in a nutshell. Shoot amongst the fan base, we view sit there at eleven and ten, 10 and eleven, like they get swept this weekend. It's not Ooh. only that people are mad; it's it's you're three paragraphs into the obituary, like, like <laughs> for, you're for writing more than you're, just a baseball team. Yeah, like you're you're etching their tombstone. So like, yeah, ten and eleven, like, yeah, oh boy, know, so <laughs> you get you be, get ten and eleven, you gonna have a busy few months. Yeah, so <laughs> I, but. On the short term, shorter calendar wise, I would think in terms of baseball, but um, yeah, yeah, because so, 10 and 11 people are going to start hearing about football at that point. Well, 10 and 11, you're sitting there like, is there a path to get in the tournament? How does well, that work? Yeah, they're going to win 15 games. I mean, and it's getting harder and harder by the day, yeah. So there'll be nothing if nothing that we won't be short on content, so we'll be back at it <laughs> on. Friday, I would imagine. I guess. I mean, what, are we, what are we going to want to do? We, uh, baseball on Thursday. So we will... You know, I don't know. Hell, we might, depending on what happens between now and then, we might do both. We might do. I might get someone on to preview A and M. We'll just kind of play it by ear. But definitely be back Friday, if not before then. Um, for Colin Brister, I'm Brian Scott Rippey. We appreciate you listening to this edition of the Rebel Reports, and have a wonderful day. Peace. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.